7,600 miles on its most recent road trip, Inter-Miami has returned home with a respectable haul of four points following another resilient performance against one of the Eastern Conference's top teams. Hello everybody, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, aka Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to Inter-Miami podcast providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one of your regular co-hosts. We also have two others on this week's show. Steven Primo Brenner is still not in the house, although he returns very, very soon. I think he landed back in the United States today. So, next week, we hope to have him back in the mix. That, of course, means that the other two Co-hosts on in this week's pod are Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajicita. We'll start with Jose this time. Jose, how are you doing today? Please give the people an update on your football manager because just because Steve Brenner's not around does not mean you can't talk about it. <laughs> There's no such rule there, okay, because we haven't heard you say anything about football manager for like at least a few months here. Uh, well, it's not good news. Well, hi, everybody. It's good to be back. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my football manager career has uh, taken. I, I think you know I'm gonna blame the Dolphins here because when training camp starts, there's so many things to do, and I haven't had enough time to play football manager. But I'm gonna get back to it. I promise. And next week, I will give you the update that you guys are waiting for, which is I'm in the playoff position because as of right now, my team is struggling, and maybe that's the reason why I don't like to go back to the game. So I have to be brave, and I will get back on that horse in the next few days, turn things around, trade a few players, get my team together, and maybe pick up a win or two and get back in the in, in the playoff run. But as of right now, I'm still struggling to get used to the whole thing. So there's an update on Football Manager. I am glad that you acknowledged that part of it because I was going to call you out otherwise. Your struggles absolutely have to be the reason why you stop playing. Because I know for a fact that you have time to play Call of Duty sometimes with friends online on PlayStation 5. So if you have time to play Call of Duty, you have time to play Football Manager. You just haven't been playing because you're not very good at Football Manager. No. You know, the problem is I made the mistake of, of wanting to change the whole squad. I, I wanted to... I wanted to make my own version of Inter Miami, and so I started trading players that I shouldn't have. <laughs> and uh, it's it's not real life, so you know there were some players that I did trade that were performing well, but I thought, well, maybe I can get more money or a younger player or you know something else. And I did it, and it didn't work out. So I, I need I need to dig out of that hole. So you're definitely not Chris Henderson in Football Manager. Okay, got it, Andrea. No. How are you doing today? Also, please let us know. Do you like watching Jose play Football Manager? Yes or no? I prefer FIFA than Football Manager. Okay. FIFA is better. I can't believe but... it. I, I, I despise FIFA. I don't think... I mean, I, I think I've said this on the pod at some point over the last two years, but I despise FIFA with a passion. I like FIFA. Really? Jose and I both play. Yeah. Jose is better than me. Jose is a good player. But I, I, I like FIFA. I, I really like FIFA. I like FIFA better than Football Manager, and that 
Pro. What is the name of the other game? Pro. Pro. Wow, Andrea, you're just disrespecting me left and right. Pro Evolution <laughs> Soccer, which is now called yes. eFootball, formerly back in the days known as Winning Eleven. That game is the best soccer video game out there. That is the best simulation, in my opinion, that you can play. Uh, the newest one, which was in 2022, I think. Yeah, last, it came out last year, but it was titled 20, eFootball 2022. was terrible. came out with a lot of glitches, a lot of bugs. They still haven't fixed the, the lack of teams. But if you play PES 2021, the update, that is the closest thing to what you see on TV, in my opinion. And I've played, I've played FIFA. I've had my years where I've played FIFA over PES, uh, predominantly when the PS3 and the Xbox 360 came out. If I'm getting my my consoles correct or the timing correct, um, at that point PES fell behind and FIFA, in my opinion, surpassed them. But then once the ne- once the PS4 and the Xbox One came out, then I thought PES again had uh, had jumped back ahead. And I, I just think it looks closer to what you see in real soccer, FIFA. Dude, you see Olympicos, you see bicycle kicks, you see volleys and half volleys and extraordinary goals like every single game. It just doesn't feel realistic to me. It's very arcade-like is how I would say. I like a more simulation-style video game, a game that's a little bit more realistic. Now, I know Pez doesn't have the licensing and all that, but you can download that if you have a PlayStation. If you have an Xbox, you're, you're kind of out of luck. But if you have a PlayStation... Like I do, then yeah, you can uh, you can download the kits and and everything. That's not to say that this show is sponsored by eFootball or Pez. I just really really love playing Pez. It's the only video game I play actually. So Jose, I know we're friends on on PS Five Network. So if you see me, if you ever see me online, that's the only thing I ever play. I, I literally bought a PS Five, and I'm going on a tangent here, but I literally bought a PS Five when it came out the first year it came out just to play Pez. That's it. I don't I don't play anything else. That's it. So yeah. I think the USL Championship is on eFootball now, They right? are. They are, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. since FIFA, well, EA Sports is losing the FIFA partnership, so I guess we can see Maybe a resurgence. You guys yeah. should check it out. I think I think eFootball, well, the new one, I think, came out free for everybody. But I, like I said, it's not good. I don't play that one. I play the 2021 edition that was for the PS4. Um, you can I like sp- the free one, so I'm going to play the free one. No, play it's the, free, I, think, I, like. I think the other one's like $10. I'll, if it's ten dollars, I'll pay you so you can play. I think you'll. I think you will really like it. I think you will really like the whole thing. But I don't okay. know. Okay, I'll send you my sale right now. <laughs> Maybe you like the the half volleys from from the top of the eighteen every game and the and the curled perfect to perfection shots in the top right corner. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you like rage quitting every other game. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, we're not here to talk about some football video games. We're here to talk about actual football, actual soccer that was played over the weekend, and that was Inter Miami versus CF Montreal. And Inter Miami pulled out a respectable two to two draw. So we will dive into that game. We will preview this weekend's game against New York City FC. We will also talk about Romeo. Beckham and how the team is handling his situation or his status as an Inter Miami 2 player this year. And of course, we'll jump into the Q&A session and our final thoughts at the very end, as well as touch on a few other topics that we have, including DeAndre Yedlin playing in the MLS All-Star Game midweek. So we have plenty to get to. We've talked quite a bit already. Jose, Andrea, let's get to it. Okay, guys, so 
as I mentioned, Inter Miami went up to Stade Saputo in Montreal, Canada and grabbed a 2-2 draw, capping this recent two-game road swing that was quite taxing. We'll dive into that. This was the starting lineup for Inter Miami. Drake Callender in goal, DeAndre Yedlin, Christopher McVeigh, Amey Mabika, Ryan Saylor, and Robert Taylor made up that back five that shifted out of the back five, but we'll say it's a back five. Your midfield consisted of Gene Mota, Gregory, and Bryce Duke. And then up top, you had Gonzalo Higuain and Alejandro Pozuelo. Pozuelo obviously playing a bit deeper behind Higuain to playmake. Now, Inter Miami gives up another early goal, and it was, I'm going to beat you to the punch, Andrea, to the Honduran attacker, Romel Kioto, in the fifth minute. A header from the Honduran. <laughs> Actually, you got a message from somebody, side note here, that said, I am not looking forward to all the Honduran love that will be on this pod <laughs> this week. So I did get a note on that. Now, anyway, Inter Miami responds immediately. Immediately. Gonzalo Higuain with a goal in the sixth minute off of a great feed from Alejandro Pozuelo. Some good work from Bryce Duke in the build-up as well. We'll touch on that again a little bit later on. Inter Miami falls behind. Secondary assist is for Bryce Duke. <laughs> we do not talk about secondary assists on this podcast, Andrea. We are we are on secondary assist strike. That I am being sarcastic and I hate secondary assists. We all dislike it. Even Steve Brenner, who normally disagrees with us, even he does not like secondary assists. We're all on secondary assist strike. But anyway, Romel Kyoto scores again from the penalty spot in the 21st minute after Christopher McVeigh is whistled for a handball. I think rightfully so. But Inter Miami stays in it. They stay in it. They fight. They scrap. They claw. And in the 79th minute, Emerson Rodriguez with another late goal to help Inter Miami get a share of the spoils. They split the points. One for Montreal, one for Miami. 2-2 draw. Jose, your biggest takeaway, your biggest analysis point from this game. Um, Well, listen, I think, you know, I give a lot of credit to Inter Miami, but I, I thought Montreal, they were just way, way too passive in the game. I mean, they, they had control of the game, and, and they were just too comfortable within the game and um, they they should have pushed and if they if they were to play at a higher level um, with a lot more intensity then I think Inter Miami would have been in trouble but you know I guess you have to give credit to Inter Miami they you know they they kept on fighting I think uh, Phil brought uh, players in the second half that will that did enter they did energize the team um, I think Gary Lasseter, Emerson, you know, those are players that might be inconsistent, but in terms of, of the opportunities that they miss in front of goal, but not inconsistent in the, if we're thinking about the effort, you know, they, they always like to run a lot. Um, they chase every single ball. And uh, when you have players like that on the field, then you always have a chance um, if you don't concede more goals. And that's exactly what happened. Montreal, they should have scored at least a third goal. I mean, they should have they should have pushed a little bit harder. They didn't, and Inter Miami made them pay for it. So uh, I do give credit to to Inter Miami, but I do realize as well that you know Montreal play a big factor in Inter Miami not um, not being down two goals, and then that would be trouble for them. Andrea, I have I have some bones to pick with that, Jose. But Andrea, your thoughts on the game? 
Well, I agree in part with Jose that Montreal could have won the game by a big margin if they wanted to. I also think Phil Neville read the game well because when he saw that Romel Kyoto went down, he was having problems with the injury or whatever. Uh, he was tired or whatever. Um, uh, Phil Neville brought in Ariel and Emerson. They they got in, I think, at the 69th minute or something like that, and Kyoto went out when they come in. So Phil read it correctly. I think when Kyoto came out of the game, it changed the game. And Miami became more attacking with that change. And they um, obviously took advantage of that and scored. So I think that Romel Kyoto changed, uh, that the Romel Kyoto substitution changed the game for Miami and Phil read it correctly. When he saw that Romel Kyoto was down, instead of uh, bringing more defensive players, he brought in Ariel Lassiter and he brought Emerson Rodriguez when Romel Kyoto came out. So those changes brought him the the point that they earned with that Emerson goal. But Inter Miami, listen, I really didn't like uh, a big part of the game because Phil says it's a back three, but it's not. And in <laughs> some moments of the game, they were playing 5-4-1. 5-4-1. Only Iguain was <laughs> on the... That's what they needed uh, to do, though. That's the, what they needed I, to I do. I understand, but Montreal was not giving it, giving it they're all, after a while, they got settled in the game. And with Montreal giving 20%, they were defending 5-4. They literally had 10 players with the goalkeeper on their area and only Gonzalo Inwain. And some moments, Gonzalo Inwain came down also. And they were defending 11 players in, the, in their area. For me, that is not acceptable. They were very lucky. And uh, for me, the 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 thing that that, that really came, um, gave them that point was that red that uh, Phil Neville did when Kyoto uh, came down injured, and he brought Ariel and Emerson to the game. I am shocked that you think that the Honduran striker's departure from the game is the key to this match. I am shocked, 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 shocked. Yeah, because okay, I, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm being no, I'm being sarcastic. I'm clearly being sarcastic. I'm clearly being sarcastic. It's like listen for me. Uh, you guys, you know, you guys said your part. I will say my part. Look, I think Inter Miami's defense, even though they weren't perfect in this game, and Christopher McVeigh, who I think has been very solid this year for the most part, he had a bit of a shocker in this one. Didn't necessarily stand out all that well. He was at fault, at least involved in both of the goals. So. Defense wasn't perfect, but by and large, the way the team defended and scrapped and clawed and, and stayed in it, that's what allowed Inter Miami, in my opinion, to be able to get something from this game. Because like you said, Andrea, you're right. They did not play the most attractive soccer for large stretches. They had their moments. Inter Miami had moments with the ball where they where they knocked it around well and they got forward well. But by and large, especially in the second half when they were down 2-1, to one, they defended a lot. They defended a lot for a team that's trailing. But... Given the physical limitations that that they had after a lengthy road trip, something that Phil Neville described as inhumane after the game, and he did not mince words in, in, in saying that's how he felt about that about the road trip and and the scheduling of by MLS. But the defending was key for Inter Miami, and so was just the character that they continue to show, the resiliency, the togetherness. That even though they're down two to one on the road against Montreal at the end of a two-game road swing. They stayed in it, and they fought through, and they and they had to suffer. Sufrieron en momentos. They had to suffer through certain moments and stretches. 
but they found a way to get a point. And I think that is a positive sign if you're inter Miami. Yes, from a, from a stylistic standpoint, Andrea, I agree 100%. It's not beautiful. It's not attractive. It's not necessarily what you want to see if you're a neutral or maybe if you're even an inter Miami fan. But they were able to stay in this game and they were able to find the right moment to get a point. We all said on the pod last week, would you take a draw if you're Inter Miami? And we all said yes. We said we think Phil Neville would sign on the dotted line if you could offer him a draw beforehand. So they did what they needed to do. And it wasn't pretty, but it was effective enough. So, you know, testament to the defense, testament to the character and the grit and just the the, the physical nature. Because it wasn't down to soccer. It wasn't down to football that they that they that they came back into this game. They they got back into this game just out of sheer grit. And, and just their desire. They took advantage when Kyoto came off because Kyoto wasn't a they, they hadn't the Montreal didn't have any quick players to be dangerous. But Kyoto, like Kyoto, Kyoto after the twenty first minute game. Kyoto after the twenty first minute after he scored his two goals and they were you know, he scored goals and, and he had a I wouldn't say he had a bad game, he had a good game. But after after that first half, around the thirty minute mark, after that I thought he became pretty much a... I won't say a non-factor, but his his impact was was largely muted. I mean, there was that one header he had in the box that I thought that's that's his hat trick, and he I don't know he scuffed it or mistimed it, and, and the ball went backwards. Um, it was it was a good opportunity for Montreal to add to their lead. They didn't. So look, and you, listen, you have to give Bill credit. To the, you have to give credit Ariel to the defense. Emerson, the moment he saw Romel Kyoto get down, and I went and and look at the match, at the substitutions, Kyoto came. They came in at the same time Kyoto came out. So. If Phil didn't do that, Inter Miami wouldn't have a point. So I think yeah, the de- if the, de- if the defense gives up another goal, they probably don't get another point. But listen, the defense, like no, I mentioned before, in that moment, in that moment of the game, in that moment of the game, Phil could have brought he brought Victor Ulloa later after they scored the goal. But because he, he got he moved out of the back Victor five, Ulloa he moved out of the back er- five earlier. So the 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 thing is, Phil in this past games has become a little bit more better at reading what his team needs in, in, in terms of changes. And in this game, it was an example because... because but I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't Ariel agree with that. Emerson instead of... Of who? To... Of who? Of what? They have to go for it there. They have to go for it. They're down 2-1. to one at They some didn't. Point. They didn't. But they did. But they did. They were but playing they did. against a better team... Uh, Andrea, they were losing two to one. Andrea, they're losing two to one. Andrea, they were losing two to one. And at that point in the game, yeah, you have to take risks now because guess what? If you don't, you're going to lose two to one. So the, he, at that point, yes, he read the game correctly because that's what the game called for. The game called for them to go to, to be more a little tack minded. Again, for me, the defense is the, is the key ingredient here, despite the fact that they weren't perfect. Ryan Saylor and Amey Mabika were in that back five. No Damian Lowe. He was on the bench to start this one. They were horrible. And, no, they were not horrible. Because they were horrible. What, one, goal's a penalty, one goal's a penalty kick that McVeigh, McVeigh who is the experienced one in, in, out of those three, he, he just had an outstretched arm and gets called for a penalty kick. And, and the first There's one, they were... There's a play where no, Mavica, Romel Kyoto, lo bailó, as we said in Spanish. They had a bad... I mean, Mavica had a bad game and Ryan Saylor had a normal game. For me, the 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 thing from for this game is not the defense. It was the creativity of Rice Duke, of Alejandro Pozuelo, of Gonzalo Iwain, and of Emerson and Ariel Lassiter that that got a point. Ariel Lassiter, what what, the, what what did Ariel Lassiter? Okay, all right, Jose, Jose, I, I heard you earlier a couple of minutes ago say you you didn't agree with something or you wanted to chime in, so the floor is yours. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't agree with the fact that, you know, Roman Kedlock comes out of the game and then Inter-Miami becomes uh, more aggressive. I think they needed to be aggressive at that point because, you know, they were down a goal. Um, Thank uh, so you, Jose. I, Thank I you. I disagree with Andrea on that, but I disagree with you <laughs> in, in saying that, you know, uh, defensively Inter-Miami was – was was great. A great I didn't great say they were great. I said that was the or, key. Or, that was the key. No, no. I, I don't think that was the key. I think the key for them to get a point was that Montreal was not aggressive enough. And I'm sure if you ask the coaching staff and the players when once they look back to the video, they they they, they they'll see that they missed an opportunity there. I mean, they were pretty much in control whenever they had the ball, and they had those one v ones with. Any Inter Miami defender, basically, they were winning those battles. But they they were winning one v ones, and then the collective effort was not there after winning that battle. So I think it's it's on Montreal. I give credit to Inter Miami because they took advantage of the opportunity that Montreal presented them, which you know essentially it is that you know they didn't finish the game. Yeah. And if Montreal is not able to finish the game. And Inter Miami is able to capitalize on that. They deserve credit for that. But I don't think defensively. And that Inter was the Miami game plan. A, but wasn't that the game plan, Jose? Jose, wasn't that the game plan? Wasn't that what we had talked about during on our WhatsApp? Inter Miami grinded out a draw. It was not pretty. It was not beautiful. It was not perfect. I did not say the defense was great. I said that the defense is the reason why they were able to stay in this game. Because, like you said, they were under. Yeah, they, they didn't have the they didn't have the ball for large stayed. stretches. They didn't have the ball for large stretches. They did not. But the yeah, fact they that but they are not the reason they get they got the point. They are not. So the, so what were, so what's the reason? If the defense has to do Montreal, its part. Montreal not finishing the game. It's Montreal yeah. not finishing I'm the game. I'm the positive one That's apparently they, on, they on this on this week's pod. I'm going to be called positive no, now if, because if someone if someone in Inter Miami deserves the credit, it's the creative players Duke Pozuelo, Iwain, Emerson and Phil Neville for not being like he has been in other parts of the year, bringing defensive changes or bringing more defensive There's no defensive changes to make, Andrea, when you're trailing two to one. You cannot make defense. I mean, you could, but like that's... Yes, you can, and he has done it in the past. Not not when they're trailing. Not when they're trailing. Not when they're trailing. When they're trailing, he looks for to make offensive moves or he looks to change the formation because they need a push to find a goal, and that's what he did here. So I agree with Jose that I think you're giving Phil Noble a little too much credit as well as, as Romel Kyoto for coming out of the game. But anyway, let's let's move on because clearly we agree to disagree. Let's talk about Emerson's goal because that is the equalizer. It is his second in a few games. Both have led to points for Inter-Miami. Like the last one, not the cleanest finish, not the best finish don't know if it'll make a highlight real, but he scores it. And that's that's all that matters for Inter Miami because that's enough for the draw. Jose, I go back to you this time. What are your thoughts on Emerson? Again, coming off the bench and delivering, albeit on the ugly play. Yeah, it was it was not it was not pretty. But um I mean I guess he'll take it. You know, I I I when I see the excitement out of Rayito, by the way, remember? Rayito, yes. Bryce Duke, yeah, mentioned that his nickname is Rayito. So, um, yeah. I, which I, means, listen, I, which I, means, for, for, our, what's for, for, our, for, our list, for our listeners that might not speak Spanish, what does Rayito mean? 
What you say? I don't know how to translate that. It's lightning. Lightning. Rayito and Rayo is yeah, lightning. Rayito would be rayo. Li- little lightning. He's little lightning. <laughs> right. right. So, it, but, but it, it has more to do with his speed because lightning, right? It happens very quickly. So it has to do with with his speed. Yeah. So, there you go. But there's no little lightning, I guess. I don't know. That's why I had <laughs> it's trouble just, translating it's just, that. I mean, it doesn't have to be a direct translation, Jose. You know, like you can. It's, it's loving, loving lightning, I guess. I don't know. In little a loving way. Little lightning. Little lightning. Okay. All right. So no, I thought you know, I, 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 I was happy for the guy because you know, obviously, you know, he has been struggling getting minutes. Um, um, we we were talking with him just uh, a few weeks ago, and you know we were mentioning uh, uh, you know the the possibility of him playing as a nine and so many things because you know there's obviously talent in Emerson Rodriguez. Uh, I I think it's a matter of development in a, in a sense a little bit. You know he, he needs to work on some things, but as well confidence. And so um, I, I thought it was it, it was it was it was a, an important goal for the team, an important goal for him. Um, the finishing, obviously, not the best. But, <laughs> describe know, the play because we we have not described the play. Please describe the play and and how how uh, Emerson it, scored. Yeah, it's a run through the left. You know, quite open. I mean, looking for looking to run into space, gets the ball, um, gets the first shot and goal. It's blocked. A couple of defenders run back, but he gets another opportunity. Luckily, <laughs> and you know. Obviously, with a little bit of help from the defenders as well, because you would assume that one of them will go for the ball and just a slight touch would have taken the possibility away from Emerson. But he gets a second shot. Um, He doesn't strike the ball really, really well in the second time, but that was enough, you know, to move it past the goalkeeper and that that's the goal. So I uh, listen, I don't know if I want to put too much value into it because there are so many things that we want to see from from Emerson that are not there yet but I think it could be an important goal in terms of confidence for for him and, and for his teammates as well because I think you know especially towards the end of a regular season he needs he needs to be a factor especially coming on in the second half I don't see him starting anymore I don't I don't see there's a possibility where Phil will be comfortable with him starting because I think he will be it will be beneficial for the team for him to come on in the second half, and so he needs to be ready for that. You know, sometimes it's going to be 10, 15, and if you're lucky enough, then you might you might get 20, 25 minutes. But that's his role. That's the role that he that he's going to be playing with this team for the rest of regular season. That's where I was going to go with this before I switch to Andrea here because, you know, we we joke and tease and obviously laughed about. The, the quality of the finish. And, and I think you missed some, some important parts there in your description of the goal. Because, but look, before I get to that, let's let's just go on the point that you just finished on, which is this will help him earn more trust from Phil Neville. Because now you've got two goals off the bench late on that have helped you and helped your team get something out of these games. That will do wonders for the trust Phil Neville has in Emerson Rodriguez and I agree this will lead to more opportunities like this for Emerson Rodriguez he is I think he has probably cemented the super sub attacking role or one of the super sub attacking roles now there's five substitutions so so football soccer has changed a little bit but he's I think he's he's penciled in one of those spots now with this being the second time that he comes off the bench and scores even if it's not the cleanest even if it's not the prettiest because one time that can be coincidence or, or that can just be a, a one-off. 
two times in a matter of a few weeks, okay, you're finding a way to make an impact. Again, even if it's not the most aesthetically pleasing. So what I wanted to say about the actual play is that it's it's a play that's meant for his skill set and his type of uh, the type of player he is because he receives the ball down the left, down the left flank, down the left channel, and he's one on one with his defender with loads of space because Inter Miami hit hit back quickly on on the counter. That's the play that is bread. That's his bread and butter. That's Emerson Rodriguez's his bread and butter because he's got enough dribbling skills where he can get by. Uh, he can get by the defender, and he has enough space where he can use his speed and his agility and and his explosiveness, and and that's what he does. He cuts inside on his on his preferred right foot. He takes the shot. I forget if it's deflected or saved. No, it's saved. It's saved, but it's saved. it's parried. It's parried poorly. Instead of parrying it out to the side where there was nobody, it's parried back across the middle, like, like towards the the penalty uh, mark, twelve yard spot. And Emerson tries a second attempt, which I don't think you mentioned. And he kind of slips and, and whiffs on it, but the ball stays there, and then he's able to get up before anybody else can get to it, and he's able to stab it home uh, with his with his big toe, and it gets by and rolls into the back of the net pretty slowly. But again, it helps Inter Miami get a point. So kudos to Emerson Rodriguez for capping or capitalizing on his opportunity. This will do him uh, a world of good to help continue to add to that confidence and obviously it'll again help Phil Neville probably trust him a bit more for this stretch run of I don't know about two months that are left in the season Andrea your thoughts on Emerson Rodriguez's goal well I think this is good for Emerson as you have said it was like we said in Spanish and we say in Honduras a chiripa goal it was not pretty but it was at the moment he was Chiripa, there, the does Chiripa, they... sorry, Andre, does Chiripa in Honduran mean the same it means in, in, in Peru? Because Chiripa for me means it was, it was lucky. Yeah, lucky. I don't know yeah. if it was. I don't know if it's lucky. I think it's just it's lucky because the goalkeeper didn't did the goalkeeper hands him the ball. It was a mistake. There's, no, there's it was definitely not a mistake by yeah. the goalkeeper. Every goal, every goal, and in, in, in all of soccer, in any league, on any team, in any game, be it professional, be it at your U10 pickup game or U10 league game on Saturdays. Every goal has certain merito del jugador. Like, that there's the player that scores has merit. And there's also error de alguien, right? There's there's a mistake that somebody made for that breakdown. Usually, usually. It's usually not just 100% all on, on the goal scorer for scoring. And it's usually not just 100% all on the person that had the breakdown defensively. Usually. there's There's exceptions, of course. I think I think there's yes there's there's definitely an error there from the goalkeeper. I, I fully acknowledge that. Like I said, he should have parried it out wide instead of to the middle because that gives Emerson Rodriguez a second chance. But Emerson still has to has to get there. Emerson still has to fight and scrap. I think Emerson he deserves more merit than than you guys are giving him or that you're giving him. No, the merit is that he did it because even though he failed the first time, he still still kept looking for it. So that it's that is an advancement because Two games ago, when he had opportunities against, I don't remember. San Jose, the team. San Jose. So, oh yeah, they he missed a lot, and you guys were criticizing him and Ariel and everyone who missed on that game. Rightfully so, so I think. So now he yes. he the merit is that he tried, even though he didn't get it the first time. He kept trying, and when he tried, it was not a nice, uh, a nice, a nice goal. It was lucky. It was okay. even the strike was not good 
technically you would you would show that to a striker and, and the striker would tell you it's not great but it got the point so it's good for him for his confidence because he went and looked for it but it, for me it, it it was a lucky goal it it, it was a goal that chiripa and, and that <laughs> chiripaso is that. Dice chiripaso yeah. chiripaso okay yes. so very because, big lucky goal but the merit that emerson has is that he kept looking for it and he went for it and he took advantage of the mistake of the goalkeeper and of the defender also and he got the goal okay even if it was ugly if even if it was not a hundred percent tactically or technically pleasing he got it so okay i it, that is gonna be good for him because uh, phil can know that he's gonna be trustworthy to try and give it his all to score goals when the team needs it okay so i'm going to say two things there or i'm gonna well, i'm gonna ask you one question but this is exactly what i think we talked about oof many pods ago andrea i think when you were first getting integrated and you were saying it's not fair that emerson rodriguez hasn't earned more minutes and i told you look you have to make the most of the opportunities you're given and he's starting to make good or do better with the opportunities he's given and that to my point that I said many pods ago with you, will lead to him getting more chances and more minutes because now he will start to earn the trust of the coaching staff. So that's number one. Number two, I want to ask you, because this is a fun little exercise, it's a journalistic exercise, it, it, it varies from person to person, but I will ask you because it's something that, that I know they do it in Peru, I don't know if they do it in Honduras, but I want you to give me a merit to error percentage on the goal like what how much percentage how much merit does does emerson rodriguez have for this goal i guess it's 50 50 50 the error of the goalkeeper and 50 emerson looking for it okay that's not hey i i don't completely disagree with that i thought you would go a lot lower for emerson given that you're saying it's chidi paso but okay uh jose do you want to do you yeah wanna... it, it, i keep it i keep that it's a chidi paso but it's 50 50 because listen if emerson missed the 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 strike we wouldn't be talking we will be talking all oh, emerson had another chance and he couldn't get it in so he took it he Ho took advantage let's, of that jose i want i want you to honest. do the exercise jose do the exercise please please let's just be honest about this it was a mess of a play it was oh, an, an ugly absolute play. absolutely mess. it was a mess on both sides of the ball i mean emerson couldn't finish it took him two chances to do it right in front of goal the goalkeeper stands in front of him, gives him the ball right back. A couple of defenders run back. None of them go for the ball. I mean, and to finish, to cap it off, the way the, <laughs> balls, the ball comes in, it's like basically in slow It's a slow roller. It's, it's a slow roller. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a mess. It's a mess. It's an it's absolute a sloppy mess. Thing. Sloppy, sloppy. That, that's, you would say sloppy for the attack and sloppy for the defense. If you're going to sell MLS any, any <laughs> play in the world. That's not the goal. You don't show that goal. So, yeah, that, so you're, you're saying that goal, was, that goal was not shown on the uh, MLS All-Star Game highlight package, like in lead-up, you know, the promos? No. And, okay, all right. So that doesn't make the cut. Okay. <laughs> I still want to hear your your merit to error breakdown on the goal. Uh, I guess I would go with 50-50, but I'll be happier with the idea of defenders working extra hours during training goalkeeper as well and two more days of finishing for emerson that would make me feel a lot better but i guess i have <laughs> been 50, 50. 
Okay. They just need to work on it a little bit more. Okay. I would go, and I'm not going to disagree too hard from your numbers. I would say 55-45. Emerson deserves some merit because he does take the initial shot. Yes, it's 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 on target, but it's not uh, it's not the most well-placed. Yes, the, 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 the parry, the save is technically speaking done incorrectly but Emerson stuck with it and and he you know he he could have he could have fallen asleep he could have been like oh, you know let, let me ask you something franco if you if galese did that on with peru what would you say I mean, if I was, listen, if I was covering Montreal, listen, we cover Inter-Miami. If I covered Montreal, I would absolutely say the goalkeeper needs to do better. As I've said here, the goalkeeper has to do better there. But I do think Emerson deserves his merit as well. And I'm again, I'm saying 55-45. That's like barely different than you guys. I just, I don't know if I'd call it chiripaso. Like, I don't know if I would say. Are you getting a soft? Spot for Emerson after no, all no, no, no. I just time. don't know if it's. I don't know if I can go as far as saying Chiripaso, like if it's just a lucky, lucky goal. Because there are lucky goals. I don't think that this was just down to pure luck. There's errors there that help him, you know, have the opportunity to score. But I don't know if it's lucky. Listen, if the goalkeeper had um, cleared the ball to the side, of course, absolutely, no absolutely. I, and again, I say. There's definitely some responsibility on the goalkeeper for the goal happening, 100%. And if I was covering CF Montreal and this was Montreal uh, Total Football, then I would absolutely be saying, look, that that you made a that's a mistake that has to be that has to be cleaned up. That can't happen there because that gives Emerson the second chance. But 55-45, 55-45. We're not too far off in the numbers. Okay, let's move on to a couple more players in the attack or three more players in the attack. But I want to talk about two in specific. Or two specifically. Iguain and Pozuelo. They combined for another goal. Again, in the six-minute immediate response to going down early, which is, again, a trend that Inter Miami has to correct. They cannot keep falling behind early. Yes, they, they have shown an ability to be resilient and to come from behind and to be able to, to, to get results late. But you can't keep falling behind. That's obviously something that has to be addressed. Because at some point you might not be able to come back, and then that's going to cost you. So, anyway, Iguain and Pozuelo, they combine. Very good work from both of them. The vision and the exquisite, the exquisite through ball played in behind the defense by Pozuelo. That is a, that's probably for me, I'm trying to think of any other ones this year, but that's probably for me the assist of the season for Inter Miami so far. He weighted it perfectly, and the way he curled that thing around the back line to a streaking Higuain. Obviously, Higuain still had to do his part and, and, you know, fake the shot to get around the goalkeeper and then, you know, uh, delicate lob into the back of the net. Also, classy from from him, but the the, the pass was was phenomenal. And yes, Bryce Duke also played a part in the buildup. We'll talk about him next. Let's just focus on Pozuelo the 10, Higuain the 9. Andrea, you can start this time. What do you think about their continued development as a partnership on the field? Well, this was expected. Listen, Pozuelo has played in the highest level of football in the world. He played in La Liga. So he knows what it takes to be a good player. He know he knows what it takes to feed a, a striker like Higuain. To what a striker like Iguain needs, what a striker like like Iguain thinks. That is why he fed that ball because he knew what Iguain would do. 
So that is what you get when you get a player like that. And that is why all year we've been talking about getting a 10 for a real 10 for Inter Miami. And that is what you get when you get a real 10 with quality who has played at the top level in football. Se, so it, se entiende, it, doesn't, se it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Yes, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, o sea, Pozuelo played in La Liga. He knows Gonzalo Higuaín. He knows, he knows not only uh, Gonzalo Higuaín, but he knows how a striker, a quality striker, needs to be fed. He knows uh, the movements of a quality mm -hmm. striker. That is why he fits those balls. And he has shown it with Inter Miami since he got here, the quality that he has. And he showed it in Toronto also uh, when when he was over there and he was the MVP of the league. So it doesn't surprise me. It, 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 it is what you expect from a player like Pozuelo who has played and has played uh, at the top level. Maybe not in Real Madrid and Barcelona, but playing where he played. He also played in a good team and in a top-level team who plays in Europe every year. So it's good. And it's good for Inter Miami to have him. And that is what Gonzalo Higuaín was missing. And I had said it when I debuted in the podcast that even though Campana was scoring a lot of goals, I would always prefer Higuaín to play because... Iwain is an intelligent striker. Is a he is a good striker, and when you get him, the players with the same quality as him, this is what happened. Yeah, with that goal, Gonzalo Iwain tied Leonardo Campana for the team lead in goal scored in MLS play. Campana has, I think, has one more if I'm not mistaken in the U.S. Open Cup, but. They have eight each on the season in MLS play with that finish from Gonzalo Higuain. Like I said to you, Andrea, se entienden. They understand each other on the field, which is what you just you just dove into in, in great detail. They understand the movements. They understand how to connect. And it's been immediate. It hasn't taken a whole lot of, of time or work or, or practice for these two players to get on the same page. And it's because, like you said, they both have quality. They both understand the game and read the game at a higher level than maybe some of the teammates. So this this will give Inter Miami a chance to make the playoffs. If this continues, if Gonzalo Higuain can continue to score at this clip, at this type of rate, Inter Miami will have a chance to make the playoffs, despite what we, th us three, have thought for much of the year about them not making the postseason. They all have a chance if, they, if Pozuelo and Higuain can continue to produce at this rate. Jose... Your thoughts on the partnership that is now Gonzalo Higuain, the 9, and Alejandro Pozuelo, the 10. Well, I think, you know, the, the important word here is trust. I think uh, Gonzalo Higuain, um, he realized early in the season that, um, you know, the best way to go was for him to become a 10 and, and try to help out in the buildup. Um, quickly, we noticed that was not the way to go, and that even cost him um, the, the, uh, the uh, place in the starting lineup. Now with Pozuelo here, um, they have developed trust. They obviously understand each other. And um, I think Phil mentioned um, Federico Iwain in the press conference, comparing him to Pozuelo. Right, I asked Phil Neville just specifically about that partnership and how, how seamless and, it's been, essentially. And that's, and that's a big deal because we all know what, what, um, what it meant for the team 
forget about the relationship, you know, between brothers, of course, but what it meant for the team last year when Federico Iwain played the last 20, 25 minutes. Um, we understood, not everybody, but we understood that Federico Iwain um, couldn't be a starter anymore in MLS. But there were several people that were thinking about he deserves to start. Because Inter-Miami played a lot better when Iwain was a 9 and Federico Iwain was a 10. And so they have that now. Unfortunately for Inter-Miami, again, it comes in late in the season. And um, I do agree that, you know, that partnership gives them a chance at the playoffs. But I still think it's not going to happen just because, you know, it's not only about what Inter-Miami is doing on the field. But, you know, if we can see it, I'm guessing head coaches around the league can see it as well in this scouting report. And so they're going to find a way, you know, to try to stop Pozuelo or try to limit space for Iwain. And if if you take that away from Inter-Miami, then you're basically running out of options. So um, I, I like the partnership. It's a lot of fun to watch. I don't know if it's going to change the outcome of the of the season for Inter Miami, though. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Jose with that. I I don't know if it's going to take them to the playoffs, especially because the game doesn't just depend on them. And if they right, go I, and I think play, I think there's something you guys are forgetting. Something something that's crucial in 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 this topic or in this conversation. I'm sorry to cut you off, Andrea, but there's something that's crucial, and I, I wanted to say um, after Jose spoke, but uh, you beat me to the punch there, Andrea. But I think it's something that, that needs to be thought about. It's MLS. This is not like regular soccer where the teams are built, you know, a little bit more evenly. The money in MLS, by and large, is spent on the attacking players. So if you have a 10 and a 9 that are of a higher quality, that's usually a good starting point for potential success. And again, that's why. We know he can finish. We know he can finish. He's reminded us, if we had forgotten for any reason, that he can finish. And now Pozuelo you pulling. For, <laughs> I, you forgot. I said we, we. I, I said we in case, noted. you know, there's listeners. Oh, it's not a we. Hey, I, it's you for. We the, as in the, listeners. The primo was on our side also. We as in <laughs> listeners out there that might have also agreed with, about Gonzalo Higuain and where he was from what we saw earlier in the season. With Pozuelo pulling the strings behind him, you now have DP level t- uh, 9 and you have a DP level 10. And if they can get on the same page... I think that gives you a chance. I'm not saying Inter Miami's making the playoffs. I would st- I have I really have to look at the rest of the schedule and 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 you know sacar la calculadoras as we said on a pod last year. You'd have to bring out the the calculators and start you know calculating, doing the math, and figuring it all out. I won't say that they're going to make the playoffs, but if they can compete, if these two can produce, I'm sorry, if these two can produce at this rate, they have a they have a better chance, and I would say even a decent to good chance of making the playoffs if they can continue. Like they have been so Listen so far. to me. Like the game that with Cincinnati when Gonzalo came out very angry because he scored three goals and even then they couldn't win. If you play five, four, one, like they played against Montreal in moments in the game, it doesn't matter that you have Pozuelo, it doesn't matter that you have Iguain, you're not making it to the playoffs because you are too defensive. So Inter Miami has a complicated calendar. It's in their hands to win the most uh, amount of games that they can. And even though that is in in their hands, 
the qualification to the playoffs is not only in their hands because since the Eastern Conference is so bad, every every team can make it still, even the team that it's in 13th place. So you will have to wait and see. But playing defensively like a 5-4-1 with only Gonzalo in the rivals area is not going to get you there, even though Gonzalo scores three goals in a game, you're going to get scored. Because you cannot well, play like that. I think I think you're I missing think context so. of this game because this game they're on the road is the second of two yeah. of the two road games. They were definitely running on fumes, as you could see. Players were were definitely tired, and that's th- that's one of the reasons why Gonzalo Guayan and Pozuelo both came out of this game despite them having quality. They were both subbed out of the game at the same time, and that's just because they they, they were gassed. They couldn't go anymore. And that's Jose. Before you 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 add that in there, I just want to say this because I think it's a very under underlooked or under I don't know it's just something that's not ta- I don't think it's talked about enough about Bosuelo and what he's brought to the team because yes he's brought vision he's brought creativity he's brought through balls and, and assists and as well as him being a threat himself to score but his work rate defensively and how he actually run- he's not your traditional number 10 or your old school number 10 that doesn't put in much work defensively. He puts in and he runs around and he helps on the defensive side uh, a respectable bit. And I think that that's, that's definitely a, uh, good for a team like Inter-Miami that likes to defend or that, that, that tends to defend quite often. So, Because if, if you had a 10 that doesn't defend, then you're, we're going back to last year to an extent with Gonzalo Higuain and Rodolfo Pizarro where Pizarro, you know, he, he, he tried to put in some work but not the best defensively. Although they they clearly couldn't, Iguain and Pizarro clearly couldn't connect and, and, and establish that partnership on the field. They just didn't understand one another to, I don't know, they weren't similar, but just they just weren't players that complemented one another. Pozuelo and Iguain, up to this point, clearly happened. Jose, go for it. No, I was, I was just trying to say that, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, at some point, to, to Andrea's point, I, I think that Inter Miami is going to have to go a little bit more aggressive, you know, if needed. Whether you're facing, uh, whether you're facing Montreal, which we know as of right now they are a better team than Inter Miami, and so that's why I think it's okay right now for them to get a point. But maybe the time will come uh, in which that you know Inter Miami is going to have to go on the road and play against a, a top Eastern team, and then they're going to have to get more than a draw. Um, that's just the way it is when 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 you lose so many so so much so much ground uh, early on in the season. And I think that's the situation for for Inter Miami right now. You basically have to win every single home match and then go on the road and get some points if they want to make it to the playoffs. Because you know the Eastern Conference is very tricky this year. I mean it's it, it's it's very very tricky. I think you know there's there's a lot to be decided right now. And um, I don't see it changing, honestly. You know, I think it's going to be an up and down situation. You know, if you have a midweek game, that's going to be important as well, because I don't think there's not going to be a lot of room for you to rest players. And so there are so many factors, but I do agree with Andrea that, you know, at some point they have to move away from that 5-4-1 that we saw in Montreal over the weekend. And, the was and we saw it against San Jose time. Too, at, at moments in the game. Well, well, yeah, they ended up winning the game. If, if they win the game, if they win the game with a 5-4-1, I guess that's fine. But 
you know, you have to be a little bit more aggressive at some point if you want to make it to the playoffs. I don't think nobody's going to blame uh, well, Phil. I think for, they're going to be aggressive at home. They'll be aggressive at home, and in a way, they'll try yeah, to... They'll... I'm going to tell you right. something right Thanks. now. The last game of the season is against Montreal at home. So that's far. That's be far from now. That's see. far from now. That's far from now. Yeah, but, but speaking speaking of speaking of the standings, speaking of the standings, with this result and with the results that happened over the weekend, Inter Miami fell to ninth place in the Eastern Conference table. However, they are tied with tenth tenth place New England, eighth place Orlando City, and seventh place Chicago with thirty points. They all have thirty points. Now the only team that has a game in hand out of those four is New England. Cincinnati, which is in sixth, is not that far away. They have 32 points, so they're within reach. Columbus has a game in hand. They're in fifth. They're on 33 points. So Inter-Miami is three points away, given tiebreakers and all that, but let's just say for, for number's sake to keep it simple, they're three points away from being able to jump possibly as high as fifth. So, But also, if Charlotte, Atlanta, and Toronto win... They are in risk of getting into absolutely, absolutely, 12th or 13th absolutely, place. absolutely. That's that is so, what I meant. So, it, so Inter Miami is, you know, that the their destiny is is they still control a lot of their destiny. They still control a lot of their destiny. We'll see how how it goes quickly, quickly, quickly. Just to wrap up on this game was Bryce Duke. We talked about well, we didn't really go into detail, but uh, you know, he plays a pivotal part, a crucial part in the build up to that equalizer, that first equalizer, because he nutmegs his defender, the guy marking him, the player marking him, and then he finds Pozuelo, who then finds Higuain, and then Higuain finishes. So Duke had an important part to play. This is what I will ask you. We won't go into his overall performance. I mean, you guys can, can touch on it, of course, but we won't go into it specifically. But has he, has this game, do you think this game and what he showed there, do you think this gets him into the starting lineup Jose, because I believe, maybe it was Andrea, but I think it was Jose. At one point, you said you wanted to see Pozuelo, Duke, and Iguain all play together. And we did in this one. Yes, Inter Miami was defensive, uh, defensive-minded for large stretches, as we noted. But clearly, there's more football. There's more attacking ideas when you have these players on the field. Do you think Bryce Duke has earned himself a spot back into the starting lineup? It's a tricky question because, you know, there are two things here. I would like to see that, and I I would say yes to the question if it's on me. If I had to make the decision, especially at home, I would absolutely play Bryce Duke, Pozuelo, and Iguain, or Campana. You know, Iguain or Campana. Right now, Iguain. But I think the combination between Pozuelo and Bryce Duke is very dynamic, and it can be very effective. Now, having said that, I don't think Phil is going to do it. I don't think he will do it. Because, yes, you give away some of, uh, some of uh, the, the backbone defensively in the middle if you play Duke and Pozuelo. Because, yes, they do help defensively, but, you know, that's, that's not their forte. So I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening if it does, I'm 100% sure that fans will enjoy it. And um, and I think he should do it at home. On the road, I think it depends on, on, on the opponent. Because Bryce Duke is still you know, a, a young player. And so you never know if he's going to have a good performance. It's not a guarantee. 
more like Alejandro Pozuelo. You expect the best from him every single game. If Bryce Duke has an off game, it's not completely unexpected. So I would put them on. I will take the risk. I think it'll be great for the team and great, great for the fans. But I don't see Phil doing it. So yes or no, he starts this weekend against New York City FC. No. No, I don't think it's Andrea, yes or no, does Bryce Duke start this weekend against New York City FC, in your opinion, after this last performance against CF Montreal? I don't think he will start. I would like him to start because uh, what Jose said, and also it free ups Mota and Gregory to be a little bit more defensive and help the team more, especially the, the the back line. But I don't think Phil will do it because he has a style that he likes. And um, even though Bryce brings more creativity to the team, um, I think he will look to to go the way that he, that he thinks has has brought better results for the team. So I don't think we will, we are going to see them against New York City. I think Duke starts. I think Duke starts, and I think this is a perfect transition to the New York City FC game, which is on Saturday night at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Inter-Miami welcomes the second-place team in the Eastern Conference, from playing the third-place team in the Eastern Conference to the second-place team. Not uh, not easy at all, but Inter-Miami welcomes New York City FC to town. New York City FC no longer has Tati Castellanos. He is, he's gone to Girona. Alexander Cayens, their Ironman stalwart center back, who <clears throat> yes Peruvian. is Peruvian international. He is injured, suffered an injury last weekend that forced him out of the All-Star game. I don't think he'll be there. That's a loss for New York City FC. Inter-Miami, it's a home game. It's an Eastern Conference opponent. Given how tight the table is and how you know one win, one loss can, can set you back. What formation do you guys expect? Let's start there... Andrea, from Inter-Miami. Well, I think we're going to see a formation like we saw against Cincinnati, um, that type of game. Uh, That is what Phil likes at home. We're going to see, obviously, maybe Robert Taylor back on his position and maybe Ariel Lassiter starting at the other side or Vasilev, who knows. But that is what I am expecting from Phil. So what formation is that, though? Give us a formation. Give us a formation. What do you think he goes with? Well, uh, he's going to start four at the back, 5-1, as as I would see it, but with a back four. 4-2-3-1? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Okay. All right. Five. Four, five, one. <laughs> Look, it's not, it's not a flat five like they defended this weekend. It's it, there's Mota and Gregory when they play in the four. No, no, because it's gonna be four at the back. It's gonna be four at the back. Right, so, right, right. But it's five players in midfield there. Yeah, with, but you, got, you, but you can't Taylor say you can't say five. You can't say five because then that just that that like indicates that it's just a flat five. Which there's five guys in the midfield, but that's why there's a first line of the midfield and the second line of the midfield. So you're saying four, two, three, one. Yes, correct. Yes. Okay, Jose. What formation does Inter Miami go with in your opinion? I think they go with a – I'd say they go with four in the back. Um, I think they might be a little bit surprising here. and They could go whether it's a 4-4-2 four, four, or a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one with Iwain right behind Pozuelo. I think that that will give them a little bit more of volume when it comes to – um, attacking with numbers, um, you would allow 
Um, and you'll you'll give defensive responsibilities as well to Taylor and and Vasilev, which I'm guessing he will start. Although I, I wouldn't start in Indiana, but I think they they might go with a four four two. I think that's you said four four one one. Four four one one or four four two. Semantics. Yeah, that's what but, I. Yeah, four four one one. It would. Be, I mean, yeah. it's not like Pozuelo's yeah. playing next to Iguain. It's Pozuelo playing yeah, behind. Yeah, four four two. Yeah. Pos- no, because Pozuelo being next to Iguain, you know, Pozuelo oh. can run around up and down right, the right, field. Right. I'm just it's semantic. And... I'm just I'm just being uh, a pain. I'm being a pain. I think he sticks with the formation we just saw. I think he's going to go five three two, or you can call it a five three one one. However you want to look at it, because I think. They're going to keep Bryce Duke on the field. That's just what I think. That's not. I don't have any inside information with the lineup as of today, Thursday, but I think that they'll keep Bryce Duke on the field, especially at home when they're going to look to play a little bit. And you have Gregory and Gene Mota there to do a little bit more of the defensive work, but still give you some football. Iguain and Pozuelo. I don't think Phil Neville's fully convinced by Indiana Vasilev. That's just my. My sensation, not information. I think it would be very risky to do that because. But, last I, but game, I think I think he'll push. Ago, I think he'll push the. CFC. I think he's going to push the wingbacks higher though. I think they'll be in the same formation, but I think the wingbacks, Yedlin and Taylor, which is that's what I'm assuming here in in the formation that I'm that I'm uh, putting here as a hypothetical or as as what I envision. I think that they'll be more advanced up the field so that they still have more of an attacking threat but also that defensive solidity. I do think Damian Lowe comes back into the lineup. Again, not inside information he as of yesterday. To. Yeah, because th- there was one play against CF Montreal, which we didn't touch on, where Yedlin was pushing very high up the field as Inter Miami was looking for an equalizer. And I don't I don't remember. I, I, don't, I don't think it was Torres. I think it was uh, Georgi Mihailovic. He plays in an exquisite through ball into the empty space that Yedlin had left in behind. And... I forget which Montreal attacker gets on to the end of the ball, but if he was sharper and quicker and more accurate and precise, Inter Miami's down three to one. But because that player took too long, I think McVeigh had enough time to recover or to, to help. No, no, McVeigh had enough time to slow him down, and Yedlin I think came from very high up the field and helped put out the fire. So, something along those lines. I remember that just being like, man, that was a that was a gaping hole, and, and that Yedlin left open, and obviously they're they're pushing to attack, but you know they were able to put out that fire and, and live to fight for another day or another play. So I think it'll Listen, be the same formation. I, I think Lowe coming back in and Duke staying uh, in, in the lineup. I don't I don't really think uh, Phil is going to play Duke because uh, the last game they played against New York not that long ago, New York had the possession. New York left un baile with the ball. And they almost lost by a lot. We talked about it here in the podcast. Uh, New York City missed a lot of opportunities. The goals uh, with the referees, we talked about that. So in New York City, even though Tati left, Callens will not be playing, as Franco said. Um, New York City FC is a good team. They play good as a team. So if one player comes out, one player comes in, they are a threat. And last game, they got the ball, they took the ball away from Miami. And if Phil wants to keep fighting for the playoffs he needs to keep winning get, get get three points at home so he cannot risk it since the start i think and that that is why I, I i think it's gonna play a little bit more like we saw against cincinnati at home so they played july 23rd new york city fc won two to zero 
at Yankee Stadium. Since then, since since the departure of Tati Castellanos, the, the striker that was their top goal scorer, 0-0 draw away to Montreal. Then they went to Columbus and lost 3-2. And I, look, I, I agree that... I'm not saying NYCFC is a bad team without the two players, but they do lose a good bit without those two players. And this is a home game, and Inter Miami knows it needs to be... Uh, a bit more attack-minded, and I think there will be enough positives that Phil Neville will see from this Montreal game, where he'll where he, where he will start Bryce Duke, and this is something to take into consideration, I think, and something that I think is part of the analysis and what I think Inter Miami's coaching staff will will take into consideration heavily. Without Kyens at the back, and no, I'm not saying this because he's Peruvian, and you know, I'm not doing the Andrea Hunter or anything here. But they do lose, New York City FC loses some of their salida, some of their ability to build out from the back. And if they can't do that, and you can have the ball, then I think Duke fits that that game plan more than 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 maybe an Indiana Vasilev or, you know, Corentin Jean, although we don't know what his status if is. If you're so talking can... about Callens missing, it would be better to have a, a winger that brings more problems for the defenders than... Uh, a midfield. Not if you're trying to keep the ball and 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 boss Miami in that way. That is the problem. We are talking here like if Miami is going to have the ball, but you see against New York City they didn't have the no, ball. No, that's incorrect. That is factually Cincinnati, no. That is Cincinnati factually incorrect, game. Andrea. Factually incorrect. Inter Miami finished that game that they lost two to zero to New York City FC with 54% possession. New York City FC had 46% possession. So that is not correct. They, <laughs> they did not... They had the ball more, actually, than NYCFC. Now, were they more dangerous with the ball? This and that? Because we they can talk were about touching that it between the defenders. That's, that's that is fine. Why you that's don't fine. have to listen to statistics, Franco. You have to watch the game. But that's Number not what you said. Why? That's not what you said. You yes, said... because New York Jose, City what did Andrea just say? in the midfield. Jose, what did Andrea just say? That, that they didn't have the ball. No, they did have the ball. Now, they didn't have it in they dangerous... Did. Franco, they didn't have it in you, dangerous places... When your defenders listen to me, when your defenders play with your goalkeeper, Again, that, is, that, that for I me mean, is not having the ball. That's definitely. I mean, Andrea, that's having the ball. That they have the ball. Inter Miami no, no, no. Did. That's having the ball. If you I'm talking about playing. Hey, if you're winning, Inter Miami if you're not no, 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 no. playing, we're getting into like yes, we're get, we're, no, we're getting into like philosophical and different different talking points here. But if you have the ball, let's say you're winning two zero and you have the ball. That doesn't mean you don't have the ball because your goalkeeper and your defender are playing with it to protect your lead. That you still have the ball. Now, if you want to say they didn't have the ball in dangerous areas or in dangerous positions on the field, then I'll listen to that. But saying that they did not have possession against New York City FC is not correct. It's not correct. Now you could say they weren't attacking with that possession. There was it was possession without a purpose. Fine, I will hear that argument. But you can't say they didn't they didn't have the ball because clearly. They did have the ball. Now they just weren't effective or dangerous. They did. Or, they did. They do wanted. something with the ball. <laughs> not, not enough. Not enough. That clearly. is why I tell you, numbers like that don't mean anything. I disagree. I disagree. But anyway, all right. Last, last talking point before we close out this segment. I start with you, Andrea. What is the key to victory for Inter Miami this weekend? Being having an order, having concentration, and not giving up that many goals. Jose, key to the game for Inter Miami. Um, score early. I think they need to uh, to get on the board early. It's obviously not going to be an easy game, but I actually see them winning this game. Wow, so, interesting. Uh, nice. I I think I think they need to score early. If they are able to score early, I think they they will be in pretty good shape. Is a draw? I guess I'll ask you both a quick question as well, a follow up. Is a draw a good enough result? 
if you're in no. Miami. No, no, no. Andrea, no? No. no. <sighs> I know that they're fighting for a play. I think yes. I think yes. It keeps you in the fight. It doesn't... If you lose... I mean, you're still in the fight. There's, there's the not. Fight. There, there's, yeah. You're still in the fight, but the point, I guess, the second place team, even with the absences, I think. I mean, obviously, you want to win, but if you get a draw, I don't think you're it's. I don't think it's the end of, I know, but I don't think it's the end of the world to to draw the second place team. That's just my opinion. I know, and I know that they they tied FC Cincinnati last time, so they dropped points there. But I think a draw is not the worst thing in the world. I am going to go with. I'm going to piggyback off of horses. Key to the game. I'm not going to say they need to score early, but they need to score first. I don't think that you can, against a New York City FC team that is talented, although you did it against Montreal away from home, but I don't think you can continue to count on the formula of conceding and going behind and fighting your way back into games. Inter Miami needs to score first. I don't care if it's in the 10th minute. I don't care if it's in the 71st. Just score first. I think that is the key. That gives them their best chance to win this game because then you score first. Now NYCFC has to open up. And they again, they'll be missing Cayens. So they'll be losing one of their top defenders. Now you have more space. Now you have more room to attack and exploit and hit on the counter and, and maybe bring on some wheels like Emerson Rodriguez, Ariel Lasseter, maybe Corentin Jean. Again, I don't, don't we don't know his status yet. We'll find out on Friday when we go when we attend practice. So score first. Don't know if it needs to be early, just score first. I think that is the key for Inter Miami. But we've talked a good bit. We still have a little bit more to talk about. We will take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Romeo Beckham, DeAndre Yedlin at the All-Star Game, and our Q&A session and final thoughts. We'll do that after this. Okay, guys, before we dive into the Q&A session, there's a couple more things that we need to touch on. And I think we will start with Romeo Beckham because there was an article in The Athletic done by a colleague who goes by the name of Felipe Cardenas. If you're not familiar with his work, maybe you are. But if you're not, Felipe Cardenas wrote this article and it is essentially about Romeo Beckham. And the title is Romeo Beckham must his play do the talking as Inter Miami try to keep him out of the sport. Spotlight. And that headline perfectly sums up the idea that I've, or an idea that I've been wanting, or a subject, excuse me, that I've been wanting to talk about with you guys on this pod for a few weeks now. And, and Felipe's story has made it a bit more relevant. So, you know, let's, let's talk about it because again, it's something I've been wanting to do for a couple of weeks now. I just haven't had the chance to, because we've had so much other things to talk about, but now that there's an actual article on it, by the athletic, I think we can we can definitely dive into it here on this week's pod. The story essentially breaks down Romeo Beckham's season, and it also touches on the fact that Inter Miami, as I as I said in the headline, has not made Romeo Beckham available to media, and not only for this story that Felipe Cardenas for the Athletic wrote, but in general. Because we attend practice on a weekly basis. And there is one of two days that Inter Miami has availability in which Inter Miami two players, 
as well as head coach Darren Powell, speak to us. And that's been going on for, I won't say the entire season, but definitely since early in the year. And we've spoken, I believe, to practically every player on the second team. Some players have gone twice by now, if not three times. But not Romeo Beckham. We still have not had any comments from Romeo Beckham. Now, why would that be? Let's And, and listen, this is not... Uh, I don't think this is a Romeo Beckham thing. Uh, or it's not his decision. As, 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 as I do think it's a more David Beckham and maybe wife Victoria Beckham's decision to try to protect him and try to protect Romeo from the spotlight. I have issue with it because he is a professional player now. He is a member of the second team and he is one of the guys and you're giving him differential treatment and not every guy, every player is the same and I understand all of that, but they need to let him speak and come out and have, you know, just just do a standard interview about the game and about his season. I mean, he leads the team in assists. It's mind-boggling that he leads the team in assists and he's racking them up and we still have not heard from him. And he's a professional player. And if he's going to be a professional player from this point forward, then guess what? Media availability, doing interviews, that's part it's part of it. And I think he's listen, I've had exchanges with Romeo uh, at a training facility at different points, and he seems like a really nice kid. He's friendly, he says hello, he smiles, seems really nice. Again, I don't think this is a hit him making this call, or this is not his decision. I think this, this comes from up above and protecting the Beckham brand and, you know, making sure a 19-year-old uh, teenager doesn't doesn't say something that maybe could hurt the brand. Like, I can understand the reasoning, but listen, if he's going to be a professional player... You're not going to be able to protect him forever, and and I don't think that the media in South Florida, by and large, is going to try and pick him apart or, or do anything that, like that. That is the problem, Franco. That is why he doesn't speak because once a team announces that Romeo Beckham is going to speak, you're not going to have us that we always go, the same people that we always go. You're going to have paparazzi, so you're going to have another type of media. So with this, I can understand why they don't do it because maybe they don't have the team the and have that capacity to deal with that because uh, of who his father is. You can see it when they announce that Beckham is going to talk. You can see media that you never see there any any time of the year. So that is what will happen. But they could also do it post-game. Yeah, like, they could also do it post-game. Like Listen, there's Inter-Miami two games on the weekend, and guess what? Darren Powell, uh, home games, not away games, home games. Yes. Darren Powell and a player speak after the, after those games. And any media that attends, which is usually not very many, I attended one Earlier this summer, if I'm not mistaken, and I spoke to Darren Powell and I spoke to Jairo Quinteros, who's a first-team player, but he played for the second team in that game. It was actually against New York City FC's second team. And I spoke to him. Questions, answers, done. Okay. They could do that. They could do that with Romeo yeah. Beckham. Where he's not, where he's that, not pre-selected and not not every media out there is going to, to show up because Romeo Beckham's speaking. It could just be more of a spur-of-the-moment type of thing and whoever's there is there. I absolutely... Yeah. But again, I understand... And I think this is a bit out of, out of uh, again, Romeo Beckham's control. I think this is more David Beckham yeah. being protective and then trying to be very careful and meticulous about the brand. But if he's a professional player, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. Jose, I, I want to hear your thoughts. If he's a professional player on the second team and he's one of a lot of... Harvey Neville has spoken. Harvey Neville has spoken multiple times. I don't think it's the most uh, 
damning thing to the locker room, but I don't think it necessarily helps if, you know, players are, are sharing uh, their comments and their remarks with the media, and then there's one player who gets preferential treatment that always and is special. Happens, because Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi don't speak to the media every time. They don't have those responsibilities. Are you saying Romeo Beckham is Leo Messi? No, I am telling you that <laughs> it happens. It's not something that it doesn't happen because people that are listening to a podcast need to know that, that you're not going to get... But, this is, it, listen, but we're in the United Messi. States. We're also in the United States where the media it's policy is different. It's different. It's different. And he's, he's British. So I understand what they're doing, but I also agree with you that... Post game, they should make him available for media that is there covering the game that will go there if, to talk about. If you get lucky, you get lucky. Football. Yeah, and so I I agree with you. Hey, if yeah. you get lucky, you get lucky. And maybe that would incentivize people to start going out more to Inter Miami two yeah. games because they're going to be like, exactly. oh, maybe today will be wrong. I mean, obviously, if he speaks once, he's probably not speaking again for the rest of this season. But anyway, yeah, uh, Jose, your thoughts? Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you. That you know he should be made available to the to the to the media, um, because what if tomorrow every single player in Inter Miami CF2 comes with a, uh, a note that's that reads, "My mom and dad told me I cannot talk to the media." Would that be acceptable <laughs> for nobody else to talk to the media? Wow, I don't think it would. I love that comparison. Right? Wow, that yeah. is that so, is fire. That is incredible. Nice. Good job, so, Jose. You're going to get your credentials revoked. <laughs> I, no, I mean, it's, it's, no, it's pretty it's obvious. True. I yeah, mean, it's true. No, nobody needs to get away with that. And so, um, you know, if you want to play professionally, that's part of the game. You know, it's, the it's media true. the media will criticize you at times. But, you know, ask ask one of the, ask any of the top players in the world and um, what the relationship with the media is and they will tell you well at times it's not very good but it's very important it is very important for you to build a brand to do so many things outside from the game so i i think it's it's not something that you know should be happening unfortunately it is and then the other thing is you know we need to go and check what's the media policy for mls next pro it's a young league i don't know if that's included i have to do the homework and check everything if i had heard i had heard i had heard that allowed i had had, sorry i had heard that mls wanted that to be a rule where like players need to be made available but i don't think that it is a rule so well then no that's this that's if that's allowed that shouldn't be allowed that's something that the league needs to look into um, you know next. that league cannot be doing that because it has a lot of players that are not of age. So it, I don't think it Dude, would be a policy Ro- for Romeo, the league Romeo, to have. Romeo Beckham scored a free kick goal. No, I am Romeo Beckham about no, no, about I know. the league. I'm just, I know, no, no, I'm talking league. separate. I'm talking separate. Romeo Beckham scored a free kick goal. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was his first goal for Inter Miami two. Very David Beckham esque. You couldn't have. Asked for a better story to sell, and he still did not speak after that. Like, like how? No, like, Franco, but you have to see the people here in South Florida. You, Jose, and I, and other people that cover the team are interested in the soccer side, and maybe some of the media that normally covers uh, the team will be interesting of just in just comparing him to his parent, his father. But the problem is that you're going to get media. If you announce it, you're going to get media. That is why I understand why they do it, because they are going to go and ask him about the wedding like they did to Phil 
about his brother's wedding, his brother's wife, her mother, her co <laughs> the tour, and all of that. Because even though media that only covers soccer, we have seen those questions being asked by professionals right now to Phil and to Harvey and to other people that, that have a relationship with the Beckhams. So they are in a tight spot, but I agree with you that during a game, they should make him available, especially after the goal, after an assist. If he's the best player in the match, he should be available. Just, he should be treated as, as, I know he's not, but he should be treated. And I, I, I Listen, I, I, I don't buy into the belief that there are no differences in a locker room. Like, certain players get treated a certain type of way. Like, I, I fully understand that's reality of not only professional teams, it's just reality of life. But, he, he, I mean, listen, he, he should speak at this point. Like, he's one of the players. Yes, he has, he's got, he's got a famous last name. Guess what? At some point, he's going to have to speak. At some point, Romeo Beckham's going to have to do an interview. What? He's going to get handpicked to do it with the BBC, or he's going to get handpicked to do yes. it with, with someone that, that, that they're like, that they, that they will clear <laughs> the questions with beforehand. And I don't, I'm not going to say that the BBC would do that. I'm just, just, I'm just, you know, I, maybe it's, I shouldn't have name dropped any, any, any actual outlet there, but I'm just saying, like, We've seen this type of thing before, and I get it. The Beckhams are a very powerful brand, and they're you know, but this this has to be noted too here before, while we close out this thought because it is brought up in the Athletics story that they they asked for multiple requests to speak to Romeo. Uh, we've asked at different t times this year if you know when you know when Romeo will talk, and, and the answers we've gotten is. Hopefully, some point. Hopefully, at some point, something along those lines. It's never been like, oh, it's going to happen. It's like, so as is noted in the story, of course, this is what I was getting to. Uh, the so Inter Miami has its its communications team, but when it comes to David Beckham, and now as a result, Romeo Beckham, they have their own communications team. Like David Beckham has his own PR team, and. In this, to try to get to Romeo, the Athletic writes that they had to work directly with Beckham's communication team, and that requests for an interview were turned down by Beckham's communications team. So not Inter Miami's communications team, Beckham's communications team. But that is normal, Franco. It happens in every sport. I've seen tennis players, soccer players have their own publicists, and if the the tournament, the media, or whatever the team says, they have to speak, but their publicist says no, they don't speak. Well, that the, is, the first, that is listen, well, the, the, the second team's different. The second team's different because there's no MLS, rule. There's no rule in the second team. But the first the first team, there is rules that the players have to be made available. So if he was a first team player and he wasn't speaking, which, guess what? It could be possible, right? It could be possible that in a couple of years he's a first team player. What What is MLS going to say, okay, it's okay that he doesn't speak or... Or are they going to be like, hey, they're going to force the hand and say, hey, he needs to speak if he's a first-team player. Like, I think they get away with it, uh, the Beckhams do, because he's a second-team player. But if he was on the first team, I think this would be a much, much bigger deal. Anyway, that's just that's just something I wanted to touch on. Let's quickly, quickly mention DeAndre Yedlin played 45 minutes, the second half of the MLS All-Star game. The MLS All-Stars won. Two to one. So he'll come back with some confidence, and he'll come back uh, pretty... Jovial, tired. I would say. Well, tired. I mean, it was forty-five minutes. He, pretty jovial. He, he got to hang out with some of the players he hadn't seen in a while. A lot of it, you know, you know what the MLS All Star Game is. We won't go into too much detail. It's 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 a show. It's for fun. And yes, it's a bit competitive because they play League IMX. 
uh, MX, but they didn't even play the best players in the MX because Guignac wasn't there, so it doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. But like he, DeAndre Edlin did a lot of uh, a lot of appearances, a lot of media appearances. It's you know, it's it's an All Star game is essentially a very American thing, and it's a very marketing thing. So. That's what that's what this was really about, and Yedlin did a lot of interviews. So I don't think we'll speak to him this week, but I do imagine he'll be back in the lineup and and he'll be upbeat after taking part in his first All Star game since I believe 2014. 2014, so almost been a decade. Okay, uh, let's jump into the Q and A session. We'll just tackle one question uh, because we've gone long. It comes from Atlanta Herons and. Atlanta Herons asks, even though Inter Miami are still under sanctions next season, it looks like they have traded for a significant amount of general allocation money over the last few weeks and months for the 2023 season. Does this mean that the sanctions shouldn't be as big of a hindrance as they were this season? Jose. Well, I think regardless of what the situation is when it comes to sanctions and how many uh, money they, they got from trades, I think they should be better next year. They should be a lot better next year because um, I think this first year under Chris Henderson, he already has enough time to put a couple of pieces together. And we see it with with Coco coming in. Coco, you know, he's a player that, yeah, he can help you in the rest of a regular season, but they're thinking more 2023 with him. And so you you, you might want you might want to go ahead and 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 buy Campana, which could be a very good option as well after Iwain moves on. So it's, it's sanctions will be there, but expectations can go just a little bit higher next year because you already have a fa- solid foundation. So it's not going to be the same what we saw this year compared to, to 2023. Andre, anything you want to add there? Yeah, I agree that it will be a little bit better, but don't get your hopes up to that you're going to get messy next year. So What? Why? I th- listen, I think that uh, I'm not going to dive into it because I've said it on this pod. I think the M- MLS in general, including Inter Miami, will make a very strong, serious push. Now, whether that's enough to convince Messi For or Messi, not, yes. whether that's strong but enough to convince not him. not next year because Miami can't afford it. Why can't they, they afford it? Sanctions. Why not? They have sanctions. And yeah, that's, not will, how, that's not how it works, though. That's not how it works. If you can get a DP and you have a DP slot available, and you can Messi fit it under the budget. Messi is not going to come to MLS for under budget when Gonzalo made six millions a Andrea, season. If you're, Andrea, we had this debate already. If you are a DP, you count as a certain amount under the threshold, and that's it. So Messi could make $30 million next year in theory. Inter Miami could pay him that much. And that he doesn't get charged like Inter Miami doesn't get charged 30 million under the salary cap he gets charged I forget the exact amount I think it's one point something million I think I'm not a salary cap expert but he the 30 million dollar charge doesn't come you know if that's yeah of course not the whole thing but it does count right but it's only a small part of it listen if they if they they had to get messy if they got to get messy and MLS was like you have you can get messy they're getting messy. Like MLS is not going to be like, well, our rules say that you can't get messy because you are this amount over the side. They will bend the rules. They'll break the rules as they have countless times. There's a reason why informally the DP rule is known as the David Beckham rule because it was created when David Beckham came on board. And there's plenty of countless of other examples of, of, excuse me, MLS bending and breaking its own rules to, to accommodate different things, to accommodate different things. So, I've been trying to tell her that for a while now, but yeah, this is the second time we've talked to her about it. I'm so I'm surprised. I've been trying. 
I've been trying. No, Messi will is, be here in no time. Messi will ready. be here, but until next year. Not next, 2023. I 2024. I disagree. 2023 summer, I think there'll be a real push. Again, I don't know if that'll be enough. Let's, at the, at let's make day, a bet. Let's make a bet. Who gets make a bet. Inter Miami or Barcelona? No, no. I mean, I listen, I, I'm not. Okay, see, again, that's not the argument I'm making. I think Inter Miami <laughs> and MLS will make a very strong push. That's not inside information. It's just. You know, re- everything we've seen in reports over the last couple years. Like they did for Luis Suarez and he came. <laughs> no, 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 no. Messi's, Messi's a game changer. Suarez is not a game changer. Or Cavani. Or Cavani or everyone that was going to come. Hey, you said you want to make a bet. You said you want to make a bet. No, no, no. You said you want to make a bet. Be real. They have lied to you all these years. Messi's not here. Cristiano Ronaldo's not here. Not even Luis Suarez, Cavani or Falcao. So just okay. don't. So you're Andrea, Andrea saying he won't be here. I'm not saying he's going to be here. I think they make a very serious push. MLS makes a very serious push because they know exactly what Messi in MLS would do for eyeballs. For I've already talked about this multiple times. And in the run-up to the 2026 World Cup, which in part is being held in the U.S., I think they do everything they can to get him. Now, I don't know Messi's motivations. We don't know Messi's motivations. At the end of the day, it's his decision. But I think MLS makes a huge push. I think it's Miami's part yeah, of no, that equation. Yeah, no, I agree. They're going to push for that him, now. But, hey, that, is, but that, that doesn't mean he won't come. Is, that doesn't mean he won't come. He could the, come. The, the listeners we'll ask a question, and I am telling him, don't get your expectations up because the team has not delivered until this moment. If they deliver, then what? Then what do you say? Then what do you say, Andrea, if they deliver? Yeah, and, and when they, they deliver that one, but he's talking about now, and it's not going to be to January, so they are not going to deliver it. In this, in six months, they are not going to deliver it. No, no. It. I, it will be in the summer of 2023 when his PSG well, contract asking, expires. He's asking the question for the beginning of next year when the season starts, right? So it'll, we're it'll, not going to have mess when the season starts. Sure, but I don't. The question was just about sanctions in general. We've gone on a tangent about Messi, but yes. Uh, to answer the question, I will just echo a lot of what Jose and Andres have said. I think next year they'll be one year closer to getting out of it, one year uh, deeper into it, so they'll have had more time to manage and, and and move numbers around. So I think it'll be better. I don't necessarily know if uh, it'll be obviously it's not going to be ideal. So. Um, it'll be better. It'll be better. It, should the, you know the question was point blank? Does this mean that the sanctions shouldn't be as big of a hindrance as this season? They shouldn't be as big of a hindrance, but they'll still be a pretty sizable hindrance. That's that's how I would answer that. Anyway, all right. Final thoughts, very quickly, uh, Andrea. My final thought for this day is that the World Cup is starting a day early. FIFA just announced that Ecuador is going to play Qatar a day early so we're having the world cup a day early on november 20 20th 20th yes <laughs> i think that really sucks peru? i think that really su- wow wow it's peru playing wow the first i don't we, go we, that we, low because wow wait, wait <laughs> when's the last time when's the last time honduras made a world cup okay anyway my point listen, listen uh I, I think that does suck though for ecuadorians that maybe have already bought their tickets and they're not getting there until yes. the day like what how do you just do that change like at this that point that is so bad and that i don't want to get into it because it's sad to see that when people have already been planning a trip you already announced a match and just because the hosts are angry that they don't have the first game why didn't you do it since the start? But, well, I guess money talks, go. right? There we go. I will give my final thought now, and then I'll let Jose finish with his. 
There's two things we didn't touch on that was that are Inter-Miami related. Phil Neville did give an update on Leonardo Campana, and he said Campana could be out for a period of time. Phil Neville made mention four to five weeks is is a scenario, a possible scenario. I don't, I don't know if he called it worst-case scenario. I think he might have, but uh, my memory's failing me a little bit there. But he did say four to five weeks is, is, is a scenario. Also, Drake Callender... We norm- I normally touch on the player. Oh, no, no, no. Because normally we touch on, in the analysis of a game, a player, if they make the team of the week. It's part of our news recap for the week. He made the team of the week after his performances against San Jose and against Montreal. So Drake Callender was on the MLS team of the week. Those are my two final thoughts. Jose, you're up. Uh, yeah, my final thought is on, um, on something related somehow to the All-Star. Uh, we had the opportunity to talk to Javi Morales. Um, he was coaching one of the on, the on the MLS Next All-Star game. And um, as we were talking to him in a press conference, he mentioned that he obviously played in the MLS All-Star in 2009 and 2010. But all the way back in 2009, MLS faced Everton. And Phil was playing for Everton. So they played against each other on that All-Star game in 2009. So it was kind of funny and and nice to talk to him about it. And he said that they didn't necessarily talk a lot about the game, but that Phil ended up showing him a picture of him. And he and Javi Morales said um, he was younger and blonde. So go figure. Phil there you, Neville. There you go. Doing, there you go. Doing a Andre Yedlin in his career. There you go. So actually that brings me to an extra added final thought for me. And that's something we did not touch on on this pod is that Inter-Miami has added two more uh teams to their academy pipeline uh if i'm not mistaken a u16 and a u18 if if, do i have that correct do you remember guys anyway they've added two more teams to their youth academy system pipeline that helps to provide more opportunity for players who might not be ready to make the the jump from you know u17s to the inner miami second team so uh more opportunity is only a good thing inter miami did a good job in in integrating that i think but anyway that does it for this week's show we will be back again next week and i promise this is something i've been wanting to do personally i want to get back to getting the shows out early in the week as opposed to late on so we will try to make that happen next week schedules permitting hopefully el primo is back as well but we'll see how it goes so for jose armando for andrea yanis i am franco Pizzo. you have been listening to miami total football radio and we'll talk to you guys again next